Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do you know the rules of the game? Yeah. You know the rules of the game? I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Let's talk. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I don't want to talk to you. You, you shouldn't even get this tape. Hey. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is growing money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, Jalen, here, another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance I'm feeling great, man. It's another beautiful Saturday out here in Dallas, Texas. Feeling great. So we're doing good. Jared, how you living? What's good? What's good? How y'all doing, man? I'm running a little bit late, but 
I'm doing good today, man. <laughs> My boy in the uh, call, he making it happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Got to happen at all costs. Yeah, because you know we got to give y'all another fire episode, and that's exactly what we have for y'all today. So on today, we got a young lady out of Dallas, Texas, born and raised. Yeah. And she's the owner of multiple 7-Eleven franchises, and she's also doing record-breaking work with some group economics with different wine brands. She was selling this Black Girl Magic wine brand. You may have seen the story break, and she was breaking sales records. So we're excited to have Miss uh, Allison Ray Lawson on here. How you doing, Allison? I'm wonderful. Oh, well, thank you for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. So we're just going to jump right on into it. For our followers who aren't really familiar with you, can you just give them your background and how'd you really work up to becoming as owner of Multiple 7-Eleven? Yeah. So like you all said, I'm Allison Ray Lawson. I am the CEO of Ray Lawson Enterprise and Ray Lawson Enterprise 2.0, which is a franchisee of two 7-Eleven convenience stores with gas. I'm sitting on Matlock and 20 in Arlington, Texas. Like most people may know or not know, I am an Arlington. I mean, I am a Dallas girl through and through, born and raised, and I wouldn't trade anything for my city. I started off at working in downtown Dallas at Dallas City Hall once I graduated from the Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. And so I worked at City Hall for a couple of years, and then I got kind of tired of being at home, and I moved to Virginia, and I worked in local government there as well. And then eventually I moved to Houston and worked for Toyota for a few years and thought that this just isn't for me. You know what I mean? Like I need to figure out something else, figure out what's really for me. I love people. Let's figure it out. So I ended up getting one 7-Eleven in a nationwide contest uh, that 7-Eleven was having. And then a year later, I opened up another 7-Eleven. So kind of just took a different turn, but it ended up working out. That's a great story. And whenever you were like going for this contest with the 7-Eleven, had you had like any prior entrepreneurial ventures or endeavors before that? Like what made you choose, okay, I want to go from corporate to let me just go ahead and own a 7-Eleven? No, I literally just went from corporate to owning a 7-Eleven. My mother is one of the top realtors in Dallas and makes her an entrepreneur. And my father uh, franchised three McDonald's in Oak Cliff whenever I was younger. And so I kind of just had that entrepreneurial blood in my system. I never really thought about it. People were always like, you know, what did you want to be when you were older? I was like, alive. Like, I didn't really have an idea of like what I wanted to do. And it kind of just came about one day um, whenever I reached out to 7-Eleven and it just was a good fit. You know, I had enough, you know, I had three college degrees and enough business acumen and it kind of just fell into place and worked itself out. So no, I had never, I always tell people I don't have a talent. Like I never had a talent. I never was, you know, braiding hair nails or you know making products that was never me i was always just i mean just whatever came my way i took it and i thrived in it hmm. that sounds like a talent to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> if you uh, can thrive in different situations yeah, right I, I like the the mentality of it though because like you said you you always had that example you always seen it so whenever it was time for you to do it like a lot of people it's always that mental hangover like man i ain't gonna be able to do it you didn't even think about it you like I know this can be done because I have seen yeah. this and I yeah. grew up with this. Yeah. And that's what I always tell my dad. Like, I never even once thought that, like, like, I never, I think when I was younger, I never even thought about, like, what he did. Like, people were like, oh, my gosh, it's so cool. Your dad owns a McDonald's. And I was like, yeah, I just thought free burgers and fancy strawberry. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't really thinking, like, the whole of how, of how big it is, you know? 
But I did always look up seeing it and realizing that like people were nervous when my dad walked into the store and like people, you know, <laughs> people love seeing him and people stood at attention. You know what I mean? So like it was a good thing to look at growing up. Mm. Sounds like you were like subconsciously being groomed and like you didn't even really know it. Like that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember a lot of it. I only remember what my family says. That's all I remember. <laughs> that's all good. So moving on to the 7-Eleven, you said it was a contest. What type of contest was it? Was Did you just have to like join in or were they just looking for new franchisees they were trying to bring on? So 7-Eleven, they realized that a lot of their dynamics is one type of dynamic. You know what I mean? Mm. A lot of Ethiopians, a lot of Indians, which is great for them. You know what I mean? But like 7-Eleven was realizing that like it needs to be more diverse. Like, you know, we don't have a lot of diversity amongst our franchisees. And so they were looking about ways to like figure that out and find different people. So they had a military, they had a military contest two years in a row. And then they had a women in franchising contest. And I was the first round of women in franchising contest, the first year of it. I mean, it was just because they were just looking for something different, you know, and leave it to women to, you know, show them how to do it. But there's three of us who won and three of us are still thriving, you know? Mm, that's really dope. So like, did y'all just have to randomly be selected or was there like a process y'all had to go through? Oh, no, it was a definite, it was a definite process. And people are always like, oh, you, they just gave you a 7-Eleven. And like, that's not how that works. They don't just give out. <laughs> I was very blessed to have this opportunity, but they mm-hmm. just don't give out 7-Eleven. So I had to go through the same process that all franchisees go through. You know, you fill up the application, you do the background check, you do the money check. Because at the end of the day, they did give me the store, but I still had to pay the franchising fees, like thirty or 40000 So I still had to be able to like have that in my bank account. Um, they also make sure that like whenever they take that money from you, that it doesn't leave you broke, you know? And so you really have to go through the same franchising process because they want to make sure that they're not just giving away a store to just anybody. They're giving away a store to somebody who they would have chosen anyway. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I had to create a two minute video as to why I think I should own a 7-Eleven and then America voted. And so I think the highest votes in the military was about a thousand votes for like one person. I won the contest with 45,000 votes. So Turn up. leave it to women to show you all how to do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got 35,000 and I think the girl who got second place was 35. I think the girl who before that got 25,000. So. Uh, that's really dope. But that's like, that's a testament to it. And I mean, you really took it. And like you said, you started thriving with it. So even though it was your first opportunity at a 7-Eleven, like what were some things you did to be able to acquire that second one so fast? I just worked my business. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just stayed true to who I was and what I was doing. And 7-Eleven, they, they have a lot of them. Like, and for just for instance, my store sits literally 20 feet away from my other store. So 7-Eleven, there's, there's 7-Elevens on all corners. So they need franchisees and want good franchisees. And I just was a good franchisee. Like I just, I do what I'm supposed to do. I engage the community. I give back to the community. My sales were up at the time. And everything was just, the stars just aligned. So with your 7-Elevens, do you also offer, you offer gas at your 7-Elevens, right? Mm-hmm, both of them. So, I don't really know too many gas station owners that uh, look like us. So what was that like once you got into, you know, the petroleum industry? I know that's like you, we talked about off camera, the automotive industry is like the good old boys club, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like the petroleum industry, that's, that's a whole different monster. It's, so, it, like, it is. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? 
and a breakfast cutoff. Ba da ba ba ba. So, like, uh, did they have to hook you up with your distribution through Seven Eleven, or did you kind of have to find some people who would give you like the best rates or anything like that? How did you have to navigate that? Okay, that's a good question, and I always like to talk about this because I think that I want to give full homage and credit to every entrepreneur out there, and I think that. I always tell even like children whenever I go talk to them, there's two types of entrepreneurs. There's the people that start from the ground up. And I think that people that start from the ground up, I commend them. I thank them for their service. I think that that is the strongest thing they can do. You know what I mean? I know a girl who owns this place called Brooklyn Tea in Brooklyn. And mm-hmm. they literally had to figure out who their vendors were, figure out how to get their machinery, build the building, how they like it, everything. And that takes a lot of work. You know, bank accounts, you know, visa machines, all of that. But as a franchisee, it's a lot simpler. I'm literally buying into a business. Mm -hmm. And so when I walk in, everything is already set up. I literally pay my money. And when I walk in, my inventory is set up. My my vendors are set up. My gas is set up. In fact, my first store, 7-Eleven chooses what kind of gas it is. Mm. So like the gas is already set up. So like when they told me I was going to have Shell, it's like, that's awesome. But I never knew how awesome it was because like Shell has a lot of followings. And so what people don't know is that I don't really like the gas. I make a percentage of the gas, but like the gas isn't my choosing. It's whatever 7-Eleven works out with whoever they want to work out. So I sell Exxon in one and Shell in the other, and both of them have a huge following. So it's a win-win situation for me. So no, 7-Eleven does all of that stuff, finds best deals, all of that. Franchisees have it very, very, a lot easier than people who start from the ground up. That, that's important to note, though, because like a lot of people always think to be an entrepreneur, you have to build from the ground up. You got to start yeah. from scratch. But like a transition like yours is a realistic transition in the entrepreneurship. You can go from working in like a corporate environment mm-hmm. to basically controlling your own corporate environment mm-hmm. type situation. Mm-hmm. And I always when people are like, I need to talk to corporate. I'm like, corporate can't really touch me. You know what I mean? Like. It's, I literally pay to have their name on the outside of the building, but everything else on the inside is me. My paychecks say Ray Lawson Enterprise. I hire, I fire. Corporate can't touch my employees. So it's like, it's everything. And people always think like, oh, it's corporate. It's not corporate ram. I run that store 24-7. Corporate just makes sure that their name on the outside stays good. That's about it. I love that. That's that power right there. She- <laughs> You touch me. But, and at the same time, it's like, because it, we still both winning. It mm-hmm. just is, it's a contractual agreement. I get to use your brand and your systems, and I just run this business. This I run my business, and I make my money. So since you've been on this side, have you thought about doing other ventures now? Like, would you build from the ground up, or would you stay away from that? That's a good question. I don't really have a good answer. I think that... I want to stay in a 7-Eleven system for a minute. And I think that I've worked really hard. They say you lose money in your first one, break even on your second and make money on your third. So I know that I want to say, I only have two, so I'm breaking even. So I know that I would at least want to stay in the 7-Eleven system for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like grow within it. But I mean, I have no idea. There's franchisees who own five 7-Elevens and there's one that owns five 7-Elevens in like five hair salons. So like he went beyond what he was already doing at 7-Eleven and started his own business. I think that's great. I just, I'm tired. So I think, <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely tired right now. So I want to stick to what I know. And maybe once I get that running by itself, where I'm not so tired, maybe I could try something else. And that's funny that you say that. So with you being tired, like, 
So you're running pretty much everything. Do you have any general manager? Are you have you thought about getting like a general manager or anything to kind of help you out? I definitely have a management staff. I have one manager and two assistant managers. And with them being right across the street, it's a very simple thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they all work together. So if like one can't do something, the other one walks across the street and does it, you know? So they definitely work together and they make my life a lot easier. I could not do it without a management staff. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what makes a good business is that like you can't do it on your own. Like you have to figure out a good management staff, people that you can trust and let them run it, you know? And I'm glad you said that because a lot of people, they think whenever, you know, I walk into a franchise, I just own it. You know, I collect the bills on the back end and pretty much just let my managers do their thing. So I'm glad you said that because it debunks some things. Yeah, no, don't don't be wrong. There's people who own like three or four of them, four or five of them, and they can do that because they, you know what I mean? Like they've been in it long enough. But no, it is a proven fact that when the boss is away that the employees play. So you still have to be very, um, and that's just with any business, right? Like if your boss isn't there, like you're not going to, when I was in corporate America, if it was Friday and she wasn't there, I'm doing any real work. So it's a, you know, it's a thing. So you definitely still want to be engaged in it at all times. Make sure you're still present because they got to know <laughs> when the work got to be done. I do have a question. I did kind of want to hop into the uh, partnership with the McBrises. So I know that was something completely separate from like 7-Eleven, wasn't it? Like they, that's not there. So could you talk about that? Like how did that come to be? So I have a friend. His name is Brent English. And he works for one of my distributors. And I saw on his page, he's the manager of diversity at the um, distributors company. Mm -hmm. And so I saw we're on his page. She was doing something with the McBride sisters and they were having this wine. And I was just like, hey, like, how can I get it in my store? And and them being already one of my vendors, he was like, just ask your rep about it. So I just asked my rep. It took her a couple of weeks. It was low on everybody's radar in Texas, especially low on the radars of like convenience stores and gas stations, you know, because. Even the McBride sisters, they were like, they're not really looking themselves in convenience stores and gas stations because, let's be honest, like Black women aren't walking into gas stations looking for good quality wine. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I saw it on his page and I was just like, hey, like, how can I get it? And so she looked into it and she brought me a couple of cases and I promoted it on my Facebook and sold the cases. And then I sold a couple of more cases and just went from there. And eventually I started putting it in some groups. And it just blew up and I just had to keep buying more and more. So it went from like three cases to 10 cases to 30 cases to 80 cases. I think my last one was about 90 something cases, which is about 1200 bottles worth of wine. So (laughs) I did, I started selling it on Friday and I sold out by Saturday evening. So two days to sell about 1200 bottles. Which is heard of, like even to the McBride. Wait, you said you got it. What day? I got, well, let's not talk about what day I got it. What day I started selling it was Friday. Mm-hmm. And I ran through 1,200 bottles of wine by Saturday evening. So I'm crazy. It's crazy. I went to her store, guys, and I walked in, and I, I was looking for it. And, like, the workers just looked at us and like, hey, y'all, I'm sorry. It's gone. And, like, this one dude just barges in, like, I'm look, like he's looking around for it, like, when they gonna get it again? <laughs> like, what it's they, a phenomenon. What like, they got in that wine, man? <laughs> I don't know. Black Girl Magic. So they just, <laughs> they're going crazy for it. But I appreciate that. You know what I mean? And I always tell people, because I think that the misconception from non-Black-owned businesses and even like 7-Eleven, I, I always try to explain to them, like, you could put that wine anywhere you want to. 
Mm-hmm. It's not the nostalgia of Black girl magic. It is the nostalgia of people being able to purchase Black-owned wine at a Black-owned business. Mm-hmm. So you put it wherever you want to. Like, it'll sell eventually, but if you want to sell 1,200 bottles in two days, it's not about me or the, like, it's not about the wine quality and it's not about the store quality. It's about supporting a Black-owned <laughs> business inside of another Black-owned business. Mm. Making it a community thing. Exactly. That and I'm a huge, huge social media person. So, like, my social media presence is, like, I rely on it 100%. I also so, think it's so dope that you like put your foot in the door to make sure that you could bring in more people. Like I really think that's amazing. Like you brought in a product that really wouldn't have been able to be that easily distributed otherwise. Yeah, because I mean, because don't get me wrong, I mean, Bryce's is, is the number one African American wine company in the country, and they're actually nationwide because one of the sisters lives in is from New Zealand, and the other one is from California. So they already had a platform, right? But their platform was more so like total wines and like targets and like places where like wine thrives nobody ever thinks to go get wine from a gas station so i think i brought that nostalgia i think i brought that platform to it which actually makes me their number one distributor and it makes me and the other day when i sold the wine it made me number two in sales at 7-eleven in the country so let's go hey let's celebrate black excellence i love it you got to pull up a glass of Black Girl Magic for that one. Oh, I did. I actually sent Robin McBride a text. I was like, cheers to you. And I had her wine in my hand. I was like, great <laughs> partnership. That's lovely. I'm going to have to try some of so that, I'm man. telling you, man, it's, like, it's a beautiful example of group economics. And like, I'm just so thankful that that's something that y'all did in the art. Like, we can tell the culture about because yeah. we need to see more of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. us reaching and helping each other and like just collaborating with each other because a lot of times black people we had this conception that we can't work together and do great yeah. things but it's like not. group of black women just broke records together you right. sales in 7-eleven like it's just the power of it is i need people to understand it right right and that i mean and then also people and, and it's sad that people don't don't feel that way because we used to have a whole black wall street like, you know like there used to be a whole that used to be a thing. And now it's like, it no longer became a thing. Things broke it down, but we could definitely get back to that. Like we have so many more resources than we had back then. And if our ancestors and the people before us could do it, why can't we? Like we have so many more resources and rights than we used to. So why can't we do it? It's just a matter of getting everybody on that mindset. And it's very unfortunate that it took, and I don't know if this is where you want it to go, but it's very unfortunate that it took somebody having a knee on their neck for everybody to fully understand the need for this platform. So I'm very glad that it is very unfortunate that we had to sacrifice one to be able to have this whole platform where everybody is now understanding that supporting another black owned business is what it's gonna take in order for us to survive, especially during a pandemic. And the one, I think that one was really just more like the last straw. The last straw, exactly, exactly. And And that's why I always tell people like, when people are like, you all like, at one point, we ran out of bags. At one point, like, this is something that, like, Black-owned businesses did not see coming. And although I have a very strong support system behind me, which is what is good about owning a franchise, is that, like, when I'm out of bags, I can run down to another 7-Eleven and get bags or go down to, you know what I mean, like, run across the street and get something. But a lot of Black-owned businesses were not ready for this. Like, we never knew that this moment was coming in history. And so I think there's not a grace period given to us where it's like, you know, like, why would they run out of pizza? Or why would they run out of fish? Or why would they run like all these businesses? And it's like, 
we had no idea this was coming. Like you all weren't supporting us <laughs> like this, you know, five months ago. So how are we supposed to know this wave was coming and how are we supposed to be, you know, ready for this, you know? But I mean, we're trying the best we can as a business. Well, that's what consumers need to understand because that's part of group economics too. We really hard on each other as business mm. owners, especially like individuals just getting started out. We got to really support our entrepreneurs in that way, for sure. Right. And do you ever get any of that, like, kind of like backlash from our own community where they'll be like, you know, this is why I'm not supporting black people now and all of this and that? Yeah, all the time. I had a lady call me the other day and told me that I was price gouging for black girl magic. And she said because she saw it at a very large consumer for a cheaper price. And I said, well, first and foremost, I'm a small black owned business. I don't get the same deals that this large consumer gets. This large consumer is not worried about profit. So they're selling it at the cost because they don't care. You know what I mean? And at this point, the large consumer can't even get it because I'm buying it. So if you feel like that is what you want to do, then go on ahead. But I'm definitely not ripping anybody off. Like I have certain rules that I have to follow in order to provide these products. And you know, no, they thought that I needed to have the same price as the large consumers. And I was like, well, that is why the African-American community is failing when it comes to this, because they believe that we have the same resources and don't give us the same grace and understanding that these large retailers have, you know? Well, I'll just go get it from Target or what? This is not this product because you can't get it. From, you know what I mean? But like, I'll just go get products in my store. I'll just, you, it's cheaper at Walmart. And it's like, well, I'm sure it is, but this is a convenience store. Mm-hmm. You pay for the convenience of not having to go into Walmart. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. So I don't know how other businesses are having the grace of it, but I know that that has always been a thing at my store. It's like people are always like, well, well, that's expensive. You know, CVS has it cheaper. And I'm like, well, going to CVS. (laughs) You want me to do? Go to CVS. At the end of the day, I get paid, but I can't lose money just to be able to keep people. I don't have that same luxury. And I think that's really important because a lot of the times, a lot of our entrepreneurs, our new entrepreneurs, they'll get faced with that situation. And like you said, they don't have that support system on the back end. So they're just going to be like, okay, I want this business. I want to make sure that I start getting things done. So they end up lowering their prices and devaluing themselves. And like you said, that's the main problem with entrepreneurship in our community. The community doesn't value what we're bringing to the table. The community doesn't value, okay, it might've taken you, you might've had to make this personally, or you might've had to pay a little bit more because like you said, you started off with three cases. I'm pretty sure three cases you had to pay a higher premium a lot of the times on the and back even end. Even now, I still pay a higher premium than than those bigger consumers to get it. And I'm not complaining about it because at the end of the day, like I'm selling it well. And at this point, like if they want to bring down the price or not, I'm still selling it. 
But no, you're very, very right. And that's why whenever I tell small business owners, because I'm a huge supporter of small businesses and I've always been a huge supporter of black owned businesses. And I've been taught that since I was little because my mom is so pro-black, like (laughs) it's crazy. And so I was always taught that, you know what I mean? Which is why I worked in South Dallas at the African-American Museum and Cedar Crest Golf Course where they had a black golf pro. Like I've always been in the black community. And so I always tell like even like business owners now, whenever I go in and they're like, all right, we'll throw in this for free. I'm like, nope, I'm gonna pay for it. Like you need to know your worth. Like if you tell me that your hot sauce is 25 cents a thing, don't throw in extra hot sauce. Like it, I'm going to pay for it because we need you to thrive. Like don't lower your stuff because you need to know your worth. And I always say, know your worth. That's powerful. And I kind of want to go to your upbringing now that you said, you know, what your mom was teaching you and stuff like that. So coming up, did y'all practice the same thing? Like we're just shopping straight local black businesses? No, no, that's not even possible. Like I was, well, as most as you can. Back then money wasn't as (laughs) free as it is now. You know what I mean? Like we worked very hard to get where we are. But no, we didn't only do that, but we made sure that we did a large part. You know what I mean? Like we did our part. Like anybody that we knew who had a small black business or a business in general, we were there. I knew somebody who owned, uh, like there was Blockbuster and then I knew somebody, a black owned business that had the same concept and we wouldn't go to Blockbuster, we would go to her. You know what I mean? Like we always were that type of family who was like, whoever had a small owned business, we were there. And that's just always what I've learned. Like even whenever I don't have the money to support or whenever I don't necessarily need something, I'm still going to do it. Like we have to drive somehow. I love it. Any to any other listeners who's listening, I challenge y'all to try to find any black alternatives for some of the larger brands y'all using. Yeah, man. They got options these days. They got a lot of options. I know they got websites like uh We Buy Black. They got detergent on there now, man. They got underwear. Yeah, there's like mm-hmm. tissue. There's a whole lot of black products being made right now. So mm-hmm. y'all definitely, definitely buy black if y'all can. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. We can pivot to our last section of our podcast. It's called What's on Your Timeline. So, yeah, we just going to ask you, what's something that you've seen on social media that you just want to, like, talk about? You know, it could be anything, like, anything you just seen. Yeah, like, it could be something that was funny, something that you didn't like, anything that you just want to vocalize. Oh, my goodness. I feel like y'all should have told me about this. Um, And we normally do. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, mother... (laughs) <laughs> we always tell people beforehand because it'd be like damn i know oh my goodness something on my timeline you can take oh. a minute and scroll if you yeah. like to hear me i'm gonna just do the first thing that pops up actually you know what yeah, i got the same thing i support that's crazy i supported two places today <laughs> and i'm going to shout them out let me just do that can i do that i like Ooh. it and i actually if you all don't know one of them i would really suggest getting to know him i mean he's amazing Brunchaholics. Mm, I've never heard of it. Okay. Well, well, I think y'all need to check your phone and your Instagram and go to Brunchaholics. He makes a soul food burrito and it has mac and cheese, greens, and fish in it with a jalapeno sauce. And he makes his own hot sauce as well. And it probably, (laughs) I went there today. And that is the first and foremost. Uh, We support each other. He buys the wine, you know what I mean? And I buy his burritos. It's not the only thing he has, you know what I mean? But like, He's in Dallas, Fort Worth. I mean, he's in the Dallas Farmer's Market. And then he's also just now recently in this place called Pop-Ups over there in Deep Ellum. And so I will say that is one place where I'm like, yes. Second place I supported today was Bonton Farms. I'm a huge supporter of anything Oak Cliff and anything South Dallas. 
and Bon Tom Farms. I love it. If you can get the chance to go out there, it's amazing. They hire people within the community. Everything is fresh. Their salad is probably the freshest salad I've ever had in my entire life. Hmm. Um, they have animals out there. So bring, you know, bring kids, but they have the best honey butter ever. So yeah, it's a huge seller. So I was actually out at um, Dallas Farmers Market today and they set up a booth. And so that's so do they do that every Saturday at Dallas Farmers Market? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a couple of, uh, I see two of you all have a beard thing going on. There's this one guy out there that sells his own beard um, formula yeah. and yeah. it's amazing. Okay. So, <laughs> they have a couple of black owned businesses out there. Bonton Farms is definitely within the community. The beard oil is definitely, it's one guy. And he just, I mean, he sells that beard oil. He's out and he's been out there since I can remember. But there's a couple of them that trickle out there. But during COVID, Brunchaholics is not out there. He's in, about five minutes away at this place called Pop Ups. Okay. Definitely have to check it out. Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you for shouting them out. Yeah. And if you all ever get a chance, one more shout out. If you all ever get a chance to go to the African-American Museum in Fair Park, it will literally change your life. Um, and I grew up there and I worked there and I went to the summer camps there. And Dr. Harry Robinson is a pillar in the community and he has literally sustained that museum out there at Fair Park. And so it doesn't get a lot of publicity by younger people. And I think that we need to keep it going. So it's an amazing place. We we'll have to schedule a visit over there. Then. Yeah. Putting us on game game. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we got to, to talk off camera about some of these places. Well, Allison, we want to thank you for coming on the show, the Black Oak Renaissance podcast. Uh, could you please like let the people know where they can support you, how they can follow you on social media, uh, and just get at any... Yeah, any, keep up any with any future. Yeah. Yeah, I am huge on like... First and foremost, you can come see me anytime, any day. I am at 100 East Interstate 20 and 700 West Interstate 20 in Arlington, Texas. I am there Monday through Friday. 8 a.m. to about 2 p.m. every single day. And I work weekends. So I'm there all the time. And I love when people come in and talk to me and give me kind words of encouragement because I really am a hands-on person. So you can come see me anytime. I am huge on social media and believe that social media is the future into letting any business grow, even at 7-Eleven where people are going to support regardless. I think it's important that I show that I'm different via social media. So you can find me on Instagram at, at the number seven, spelled 11, underscore Ray, R-A-E Lawson. You can find me on Facebook at Ray Lawson underscore the number seven spelled 11. And you can find me on Twitter at Ray Lawson underscore the numbers 711. Hey, y'all heard it here first. Y'all definitely go follow her. Y'all tap into her. And if y'all are in the DFW area, y'all definitely, definitely check out her stores. Go buy that black girl magic wine. Let's keep breaking records. We love it. But before we wrap up, we're going to get into some house cleaning. So some of the things we just want to say thank you to all of our followers who come in week in and week out for making our platform what it is. Thank you for helping us grow. Uh, we keep on hitting records. We're finally reaching episodes that's breaking over like 12K listens. So thank you all for that. Y'all keep on checking us out on YouTube. We're trying to grow our YouTube following. So uh, with some of these episodes now, we're getting a lot of our episodes on YouTube. You can check them out there. And also y'all tap into our eight weeks of wealth. We are going to be starting week five of eight weeks of wealth. But if you are not able to join, you can still purchase the package and you will get the back catalog of the complete eight weeks of wealth. This week, we are going to be speaking about building your podcast. So you'll learn how what we do on this end. So y'all definitely, definitely tap in. 
Y'all got anything else, fellas? I only got one thing, y'all. Make sure to check out the book, Manage Your Money Like the 1%. It's available on Amazon and in ebook format. So y'all check that out. Learn how to manage your money and start investing. Yep. Yes, sir. Well, until then, this is Blackwell for the sign, signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is broad money marathon. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.